Well, good evening. I'm joined tonight with my co-host, Mr. Bob Schmidt, Bob the Goalie, number one, and we are on episode 31 tonight. Oh, Grand Fuhrer. We are on the Grand Fuhrer episode tonight, and we should have had Grant as our guest, but he's a little hard to book, and um, Mm -hmm. Dave the Kid, Sawchuck, uh, is supposed to be joining us, but uh, I think life kind of got in the way. He may or may not be joining us as we go on, but um, we'll do this one ourselves if we need need to um seven game heater thoughts well hey let's uh let's uh backtrack a little bit to reference the fact that we're in the grand Fuhrer um episode number have you ever had the pleasure of meeting uh mr Fuhrer? no i i haven't um kind of the 80s oilers my experience with those guys is literally body checking yari curry after a practice at um, West Edmonton Mall, he was coming under, underneath the curtain to go see his wife and his two twin uh, babies. And I basically crashed into him trying to get his autograph. And uh, thankfully, I didn't knock him over fully. And he uh, signed an autograph for me. And then I chased Liam, uh, Lee Fogelin halfway to, down the mall to a tobacco shop <laughs> and got his autograph. And that's kind of my experience with those guys. I did play in like a... Um, a a uh, rec kind of hockey game here, the uh, old timers guys against Grand Prairie EMS and uh, got to play a period on, on Glenn Anderson's wing. And that was a thrill, but, and talk to him after and stuff, but no, I, I've never met Grant. You uh, first, first off, uh, shout out to name to, uh, checking in there. Nice to, nice to have you aboard there in name. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, a good reference to the young guns, uh, Billy the Kid. I'll make you famous. Uh, yeah, I had the pleasure of uh, when Grant Fuhr was the goalie coach for the Phoenix Coyotes back in the day. Uh, through a connection I had from a guy who uh, grew up playing hockey with Shane Doan. And there was for a couple seasons here, uh, whenever Phoenix came to town, uh, my buddy Jason, that he was able to get uh, you know four tickets to the games and we'd get to come to the morning skate. So, uh Fear was our goalie coach at that time, and so I knew there was a good chance of meeting him, so I bought a brand-new order jersey just in case uh, I'd be able to meet him and have him sign it. And it's one of the f- first times in my life where I was just totally starstruck because I was, you know, 80s orders, that's my era. Uh, I remember all those championships well. Grand Fuhrer, uh, one of my heroes. And honestly, like, I, like, I, 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 I was almost frozen. Like, uh, he came over. Because uh, we met Shane first, who was so super classy, and then uh, and then Fear came over, and uh, yeah, like I shook his hand, and I did everything in my power not to dry hump his leg. I was just so excited to see him. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. He was so classy. I've gotten to meet him one other time since. I got him to sign my old goalie pads and that sort of stuff, and just yeah, it's. I've had a couple of interactions with him on Twitter as well, and just just really nice and very down to earth. That was pretty cool. So almost hump his leg. Does that mean you piddled uh, after or <laughs> what happened after will remain my secret. All right. Go wave, so. Yeah, no, I, uh, I haven't met Grant. I'd love, I'd love to meet him. Cause I hear he's just a, a great guy and, and really personable and, and yeah. almost glowing all the time. Yeah. And, and honestly, Glenn Anderson was that way too. He, he had like a perma grin on even when guys here were, really giving him a hard time to a couple guys in the bar um, didn't seem to phase him. And, and I think 
Dave Tiger Williams made sure it didn't go too far. <laughs> he he kind of stepped in. I, I like Dave. He's he's quite the guy. He he. Um, I played on his team, and in warm up, I'm skating around, and he must have thought, okay, this is some young hot shot kid. I got to teach him a lesson. So he skated behind me and knocked my stick out of my hands, and we we're on the same team in warm up. <laughs> <laughs> So that was fun. All right, so uh, seven game heater, right? Eh? That's uh, my goodness. And what what really has what do you think has changed for us to be a seven game heater? What do you see has been a significant reason why all of a sudden we are now the hottest team in the league? Well, the penalty kill is lights out. I guess would be one thing to point to, and uh, I don't really see a major like difference in in the way they go about their business there. Um, I think they're pursuing fairly hard, but staying s- somewhat responsible. But um, I, I see a major shift. You know, yeah, some stranger puts on the on the chats their defense. Um, I think it's more than just the defensemen, though. I think it's we're defending as as five. Yeah, we're making it hard for other teams to get through us. Like they're they're defending in layers now. You know, you have to get by the forwards, and then you have to get by the defense, and then you have to get by the goalie. It sounds simple, but we weren't doing that at, at the start of the year. It was there was too much separation between the forwards and the f- defense, and I, I think that's been a major change. I like the way we defend in the neutral zone, and I like the responsibility. You know, forwards are looking to see if there's people behind them to cover. If there isn't, they're backing up their D if they're pinching. That that's been a that's been a change. Um, I, I think too once we retrieve pucks. Guys aren't leaking out to the far blue line all the time, and and expecting that you know home run pass. I you, you see a lot of five and six foot passes to get out of their own end. I mean, Rashad will bring up, you know, they're using the middle of the ice to break out. It's not not everything's up on the wall. I think that's that's been a factor too. But and 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 guys are making plays now. They're you know, it's not often where you see the us icing the puck. Um, because we can't make an outlet pass that used to be a, a common theme. I mean, Nurse Nurse used to be guilty of about five or six of those a game. You might see him do it once, but it, that's about it. Like, it's not multiple times in a game. The, the passes are on people's sticks, and they're getting out. Their breakouts are clean, and I think that's been the, a major difference. I mean, Connor being healthy uh, yeah. kind of helps everything. Um I think they've learned too, like a lot of the cute little seam passes that they were making, you know, the last couple of years, I, I've seen that go away a little bit. And, and instead of trying to, you know, really seam teams, now they're just trying to get them moving. And, and you see passes like from Bouchard to Dreisaitl, not, not from McDavid on the far left all the way over to the far right. Those are more rare still. You don't see the big, long, you know, cross, cross ice passes on the power play you see 10 to 15 foot crisp quick passes and and uh, i think that's working for them i mean uh, dry is still hitting his spot from the spot now and and like before i was saying he couldn't hit the net well he's hitting the net now i think i think he whatever was ailing him is 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 back you know he, he's he's healthy again and I, th- I think one of the changes is is just not trying to force the issue as much and just taking what's there and, and making the best of it. I think that's a key word you use there, uh, not forcing it. 
And uh, I 100% agree with you about the, the the defensive game. And I wouldn't be surprised if some stranger would, that that's that's what he was alluding to is kind of more the team defense as opposed to the, the defenseman. Um, because I I see that I see that as well. I I see we just have more depth defensively from all five guys on the ice. And and like you say that they they they, they gotta they gotta come through layers to get towards our net net now. Uh, I think Knobloch, uh, I'll give him a lot of credit here, is I think he simplified a lot of things. And, and just to get these guys to reset and regroup and start building some confidence. Uh, if you keep things simple and you, do, and you do those things over and over again, you start getting that confidence of, okay, we're back. You know, we, we found our game. We found our swagger. Uh, let's play some Oiler hockey. And uh, I, think the, I think that's the biggest thing I've seen is now that we play with so much confidence. Uh, and again, uh, just as you alluded to, there's a lot of these little five, six foot passes that they're making uh, a lot more than they did before. And then they'll throw in one of those long bombs, like uh, like Nurse up to news in the middle and the such thing, when this, the other team isn't quite expecting it as, as often as they were before, or those cross ice passes that you were alluding to earlier as well, catching them off guard a bit and just showing off our skill level again. It, it kind of goes unnoticed because of the guy that it went to, but I thought like Nurse yesterday. He he made a beautiful skip pass off the wall up to Drysital and Drysital yeah. gave that that backhand sauce you know patented um, pass that he does over to, over to Kane. Kane Kane didn't cash in on the on the play but that whole sequence was was marvelous and and then you know Nurse follows it up later in the game with that body check where where he sent oh, the guy goodness. where what he sent beauty. the guy where he sent the guy flying and and you know. Um, Jack Michaels wanted to proclaim that as the hit of the game. It probably was, but McDavid's hit in the third period there too. That that one where he sent the guy flying. Um, I forget who. I think it ended up being Kane that, um, like he sent the guy in all. Hyman Hyman and Kane went basically in all alone, all because of that hit. I mean that that was a pretty good potty check too. So, um. And, and you, McDavid led the team in hits that game. Yeah, so you know he's you know he's healthy now that he's he's laying out the body. And I guess the other guy that you know wasn't a hundred percent for a, a long stretch of that losing streak was Ekholm, and he looks like he's found his stride. And um, you know that uh, that game against the Wild at the at the end of it, I it looked kind of junior B ish out there and it's too bad. we got to wait till February before we see <laughs> Minnesota again. Cause there was a pretty good hate level in that one. I, I would say that ranks up there with uh, the game. We played the Panthers in Florida where that one got a little bit heated too. Uh, and I don't mind that kind of hockey, no. uh, you know, a little playoff hockey during the regular season, I think is good medicine to take every once in a while. And we and we tend to play good in those situations. I think we have the guys that can feed off that. I mean, yeah, the Florida one, we we lost that one, but like Minnesota, we were uh, like we we were just we were just on on par. And uh, and yeah, we like we only won by one, but uh, you know, I, I think the guys kind of just fed off kind of that physicality. And like you say, you play some playoff hockey. We're gonna have to play playoff hockey the rest of the way because we we, we laid such a such an egg the first twenty games that we need to be playing that style. In order to yeah. get our to get our swagger and, and to be playoff ready when, you know, when the time comes, pretty much, yeah, yeah. No, probably got to play you know six hundred or six fifty hockey the rest of the way to uh, get to where we want to go. Well, um, seven straight wins here's a nice step in the right direction to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think at the start of today, I'm not sure where it is now, but they were three points back of a wild card spot. 
um, with a couple games in hand, uh, you know, coming off that week off. Mm-hmm. And and give them credit. I mean, they, they didn't let the week off, you know, distinguish yeah. the fire they were on before they went into the break and, and they've kept it up. Um, so tomorrow it's Connor versus Connor. And I, I was surprised, and I think it, maybe it was a bit of knob-block gamesmanship uh, for the first time. They didn't like Stoffer didn't announce who the Oilers were starting. I think until about an hour, hour and a half before before the puck drop. So uh, that took me by surprise. Were you surprised that Picker got the got the call yesterday? Um, I, I expect him to get to get to get the call either yesterday or the next one. So no, I wasn't that surprised. I was actually kind of a bit relieved because we need to get, we need to get Pickard in there, and like Stewart needs a rest. And I know we had that long break, so I understood why uh, you know Stewart picked up the first few games after the break. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna need this, and and I'm I was so happy to see the game that Pickard had, because one thing that did it kind of silenced all the uh, calling up Campbell talk now for a while. Um, I want Campbell to be called up. I I do want Campbell to get another chance, and uh, before we give up on him, uh, but I don't think he's ready yet. Like he had he had three shitty games. And then he put two great games together, and now his last three have been – well, he's won the last three, but they've been eh, so-so games. Or I think he hasn't really played the best. Yeah. I think we still need him to, to keep working on that confidence, working on his game. If Pickard can do this, what he did the other game, I hope that instilled some more uh, confidence from Knobloch to put him in uh, quicker as opposed to every seven games. Like Give him one every four games for a bit here, you know, and – he definitely deserves at least one more start before we send him back down, for sure. Yeah, some strangers asking, should we start Pickard tomorrow? I, I kind of thought about, I kind of thought like that. Like I, I think he he played a pretty solid game, but I think he just wanted to give Skinner, you know, a yeah. couple day, couple days to to reset because he was looking fatigued in that. Uh, was it the mini game where he kind of, or or was it? Yeah, I think it was the mini game where they didn't get a lot of shots, yeah. but they were right in that game. Um, so he, he looked a little fatigued to me in, in that one. I mean, at the end of the game, he made a, a pretty big save, oh, yeah. uh, to preserve the win. Um, and that's kind of what you want, but he, he was looking, he was looking tired. So, um, I, I would go I back to, I would go back to Pickard relatively quickly here, but I, I don't think tomorrow, like, um, I would go back to Pickard in the Islander game. So, uh, so we have Chicago, Tampa, and Florida next. I'd give Skinner those three, and then put Pickard back in for the Islander game. Uh, yeah. Pickard is Pickard is who he is. He is a backup goalie, and so he's going to be up there to do backup, uh, uh, his backup shift. So, yeah, he played great last game. Like him and him and Connor McDavid were our two best Oilers last game, a hundred percent. But his role is what it is, and he's our backup goalie, and Skinner's going to be the one that we'll be riding here until we can, you know, get him some goaltending help to help carry the load a bit. I don't think Pickard's that guy. Uh, so it's Skinner's ball to carry here for the next couple, but I hope now we see we do see Pickard sooner than, than the seven-game break he sat there for. It's uh, funny because they're kind of two different players but have similar attributes in the same do you kind of chuckle at you know the the change in uh, Bouchard's game since Coffee's been behind the bench? Uh, you know, Coffee was that offensive defenseman um, 
you know, I think the big difference is Coffee could skate like the wind, but definitely doesn't possess the shot that Bouchard <laughs> has. But, um, you know, thoughts on that? Uh, well, first off, one thing that, uh, like, as, as a lot of people noticed uh, during the press conference when they introduced Knobloch and Coffee, and uh, one of the first things Coffee said is he didn't he didn't really apply for this job. He wasn't campaigning for the position. Eh? Yeah. So now we all get the impression like, oh shit, he doesn't really want to be there. He's just kind of doing it because they asked him to, sort of thing. So, but I think what he's done is he. I think Coffee's just one of those people that whatever role he's giving, he's going to do it at his max capacity. I think he's actually poured his like you see shots of him and he's talking to the guys constantly. Oh yeah. He's talking to the demon constantly. So I think he's really giving it his all here to, I think he has such a passion for the orders that he'll do any uh, role that they ask him to do. And he'll do it with all his heart with all, with all his might. I do think it's funny because you hear some guys saying that, uh, you know, the orders aren't the demon aren't take as many chances now with coffee back there. I disagree. I think they are taking me even more chances, but they're doing it smarter. I think coffee has worked on their timing of when to pinch and when to back off and that sort of stuff. And like, use your head a bit more as you're reading the play. Cause I see them uh, doing a, a way better job keeping the puck in on the opposing team's blue line. As, as the team is rushing out, that they're cutting off a lot of these kind of rushes up the, up the middle uh, where a guy out nurse or Bouchard or something will jump up and, and uh, you know, create havoc on the play, but they're just a lot more smarter now when they do it. Yeah. And I think there's more of a focus on, you know, wingers, if they see somebody pinching to cover them up. A hundred percent. Absolutely. You're bang on about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that goes again with the whole theme of the team defense, right? I mean, every guy's uh, much more aware defensively. I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that that press conference from a PR standpoint was a disaster, but <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I think Oilers fans have a tendency to take everything in like it's their last breath of oxygen <laughs> and, you know, I, I I heard what Coffee said, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, this is probably a guy that's comfortable in the way his life is right now, and he knows what it means to be involved directly with the team, to you know, to go to every practice, to be at every game, to go on the trips, you know, to be in that in that life. He knows what that means, and he knows what it takes, and. I think he was comfortable in his life before and wasn't exactly volunteering for the position, but now that he got it, he's going to put everything he has into it. And, you know, with the experience and the knowledge and, and everything that he has, I, I think he's got what it takes to, to, to be fabulous at it. And, and coffee's always been like a soft spoken, fairly yeah. positive guy. And I don't want to take shots at Dave Manson, but I just think, you know, with the injury that he had to his vocal cords, basically, for him to be a great communicator was tough. I think uh, the only time I could see that being an issue would be in game with all the noise and stuff going as he's trying to communicate on the bench. That's the only yeah. time I really see it. I think yeah. other than yeah. that, yeah, um, it is like, I think I'm sure like Matson's a great coach. I, I think you know, he was a hell of a defenseman and tough as nails. So I think he had all the respect. And I think when, when the guys are listening to him, I think they were, yeah. they were listening to him and hearing to him. So the only time I see that voice thing being an issue would have been, like in game as you're yelling over stuff. And if he's not right next to you, you're communicating something you're probably not hearing as well as say somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just, I don't know if it's so much the, the personnel behind the bench that is catapulted this team forward. Um, 
I, I, it's definitely played a role, and I think they they do seem a little bit more in sync. I, I think they were talented, and they were you know not getting wins, and it and their confidence was shot. They got a, they got some wins, and they got some belief back, and and then it just kind of starts to snowball the other way. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you can be the best team in the league, and you can be the worst team in the league all in the same season, and I think that's sort of what we're seeing here. San Jose is finding ways to to win games. It, it uh, you know, I I think the margin between winning and losing in the NHL is really, really, really close. Well, I watched that San Jose Vegas game yesterday, and uh, they were actually outplaying Vegas. They did. I mean, Vegas found a way to win it in the shootout, but like, yeah, like you say, like uh, you hear the guys say it on their uh, press conferences or after game comments all the time. Like, any team can beat another team on any given night. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're in the NHL, so you can't take any team lightly. Uh, like every, like especially yeah. at this point for us, like we need every every point we can get our hands yeah. on. That that point kind of uh, you know is is why I didn't mind Pickard playing yesterday. Um, I I think like you know Skinner was showing signs of being fatigued against Minnesota, so get him out, get him get him a rest. Because then you get into a situation where if they didn't win yesterday and then Pickard's the, the starter against the Hawks and then you don't win that one, you know, you, you start second-guessing everything. So throw him in there, you know, give him a game. He stood on his head. He played really well. And then, uh, you know, Skinner should be refreshed and ready to go against Chicago and and the team shouldn't be taking it lightly because you're not just throwing the backup in there, you know, so... And, and uh, interesting, interesting stat though. Um, I don't know if it had to do with the fact that our backup was in or anything like that, but the Oilers actually blocked as many shots as uh, as a uh, Pickard saved for the moment. Really, I think the numbers were pretty close overall. Really, yeah. so you're you're telling me we basically got dominated? <laughs> no, I don't think so because I'm, I'm sure. No, because you you go by flow of play as well, right? So. Um, I think I think we were in control of that game. It's funny but, uh, though. Pickard made some big, big saves though too. Don't you think like the most dangerous chance that was given up was the one that ended up in the back of the net? On on our net? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think there was another chance late in the game there that went on that Toffoli feed that was also equally as dangerous where Pickard came up huge. But yeah. Probably, and, probably the one that went in was was probably the the highest danger chance. And and that was the only really from my eye, that was the only real sort of defensive breakdown. And it, and it was only a breakdown for about a second. Like it didn't take long for them to to convert on on a little bit of a coverage malfunction. But it's, and that's the league, right? That's how the NHL is. I mean, well, we'll make you pay for mistakes. And and you know, going back. I don't know, three, four games, really, to me, that's the only coverage issue I think we've had in three or four games. We're playing pretty good hockey right now, like sound hockey. I, I mean, how many games has it been? I, I'm thinking like at least three or four where you're in the first period and you've only given up four shots. I mean, it's pretty pedestrian night for the goalie uh, for us in, in the first period. Like we're playing lights out first periods. Yeah, we are, and I think on our seven-game win streak right now, what are we out, outscoring the team like thirty-five, thirteen, or something like that? Like something, some astronomical. Like we are, uh, we we are dominating right now in seven games. We are the hottest team in the league, bar none. So, uh, and and we're this this hot with the two best players uh, on your team. Like, 
man, the, the, the danger, like every team that's facing us right now, uh, they just got to be, oh, this is a bad time to be facing the Oilers. Yeah, and, and Drysaddle's not really going yet. Like he's he's doing his thing on the power play, but on at five on five, he's not really going yet. Like he and and part of it's you know Connor Brown snake bit and and whatever. I think it's going to start to happen for that guy though. Like that the goal that kind of got taken away because Kane was you know wandering around on on goalie's pad, Schmidt's pad. Um, he's been around it. He's he's hit a few posts and and he's been in the right spots. And I I think he's finally getting up to game speed. Coming off the injury that he had, uh, it couldn't have been easy. Okay, so they preach patience with Connor Brown right from the beginning, uh, especially <laughs> after the big surgery. He came back, sort of thing, right? It's patience. Um, it's now been 19 games for Connor Brown because he, he missed a couple, and so he's played. He's played 19 games now. He has one assist, and the majority of this time, he's been playing in the top six. You look at a guy like Sam Gagne, who also came out major, major surgery. And so there should be a, a patience element with him as well. He plays, you know, maybe uh, three quarters of the minutes that Connor Brown's playing, and he's doing a lot more damage. So I want Connor Brown to succeed. But at this point, you're at the 20 game mark, playing top six for the most part, and you have one assist. I think he's a very effective bottom six player. Like he is doing a great job on the uh, penalty kill. His defensive game is as good as anybody in the league, really. Uh, Tell you the truth, he actually reminds me quite a bit of Mark Stone the way he plays defensively as, as a forward. And and Stone's a very uh, you know he's he's had some selkie votes before, so uh, that that's great from a bottom six. But if you're in the top six, we need we need production. Yeah, no, it it needs to start happening for sure. I I think he's close. I I think he's well, obviously he's close. He scored. Yeah. So that's that's close, but it's got waved off. So yeah, in the end, statistically. I no just, point. I just, I just, yeah, I, I see him being sniffing around the edges, and, and it's going to start to happen for him. Um, I think Dave he also is, had one shot last game. Yeah, that's stat. that's not good enough. That's not, not good enough. Not when you're playing with Drysital. Um, he's suffering from he's suffering from Yamamotoitis right now. Not, <laughs> not, shooting, not shooting enough. Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument for his penalty killing, but um, his penalty killing is phenomenal. His yeah. defensive game is phenomenal, but that's bottom six stuff we're talking now. Oh, we got, we got, we got to bring in our our man here. Just one second. Uh, can you hear me? We can hear you, Dave. You are with us now. Hey, I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I don't know who you guys are running through the ringer right now because I'm coming in late. Who, who, who's not putting up, who's not producing at the level you need? Connor <laughs> Brown. Connor Brown. Oh, geez, that's a tough contract. <laughs> it is if it keeps going the way it's been yeah that's unfortunate and, and he made all the bonus money i'm sure you've been over all this stuff but uh yeah well we didn't we didn't even touch on the money yet dave so we're, we were just touching the fact that uh you know connor brown would they preach they preach patience about him because because the big surgery is coming off of that's great but you're now sitting at the 20 game mark where the majority of the time he's been playing the top six and he has one assist and Sam Gagne also coming off some major surgery, so there was a certain element of patience that had to come with him. And he plays about three quarters of the minutes that uh, Connor Brown's been doing, and has put up more production in that time. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And do you think that's still is that still uh, injury, or is that just Connor Brown is not not what we thought? Well, at this point now, it's mental as well. Like his confidence is shocked, obviously. 
And he's still playing well. We touched on this. He, like, he is playing well. His penalty kill is phenomenal. His defensive game, he's one of our best defensive forwards, I think. But that is bottom six material. If you're playing the top six, we need production. I think I think there was at least a dozen games where he couldn't move on the ice, and that's a problem when you're in the NHL. <laughs> I yeah, think he's I, I think he's there with the speed of the game. I think he's keeping up with his line mates and stuff. He's just he's he just had offensive instincts just aren't like even last game he had one shot. You're in the top six, and you had one shot on net. Yeah, right. he he's keeping up now, but he wasn't for a long time. Well, we're stuck with him. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we are. So we got to hope for the best. Well, I mean, you, you just hope that, uh, that the body will come around that the, like the mind and the confidence will catch up and hopefully the new coaching staff can, you know, they're doing something right. They've won a bunch of games in a row. So, so, uh, so, so, you know, confidence is big and hopefully the new coaching staff can get some of that into them. I'm, I'm going to hope that he's got a, a touch better hands than Warren Fogle, but to me right now, they're kind of similar players. Right, right. right. I will say that I think the uh, I think the uh, the more input that Mark Stewart's been getting, I think that's actually been a bigger change uh, for the Oilers than the actual head coaching uh, change. Like our penalty kill right now is is great. Uh, our defensive game as a, as a team is is a lot better, and obviously Coffey has a lot of input on that as well. Um, I think Novak's made some decent small changes. That's great. But I, like our one of our biggest weaknesses was the mistakes we we're making defensively. We're seeing a lot less of that now. And Mark Stewart is a lot more hands-on now with the defensive side of the game. I yeah. teased, just me? Just I me? Yeah. I, I teased kind of in our intros the the Dave the Kid saw Chuck because that's what he sort of went by or that's what Kevin uh, Scott, the the – our local DJ when Dave started out at 97.7 Rock FM. Um, that's that's the moniker I guess he picked up. I, I'm not sure if we're allowed to call you that still, but I did it for our promos. <laughs> you can call me anything you want, just call me. You know. What, <laughs> I, I've forgotten. What, it, what is the actual relationship to Terry? So Terry Sawchuk uh, is my grandfather's cousin. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, his family came, uh, you know, the same time my grandfather's family came. The difference was uh, my grandfather's family had some education, so they settled in Toronto, uh, where Terry's brother actually went on for years to be the team's pharmacist. This was before there were team doctors. Uh, he had a house across the street from Maple Leaf Gardens, and, a, you know, if someone got dinged up during the game, he would put his tea off, and, and he would walk across the street and stitch a guy up like, uh, so you know, Terry became Terry Sawchuk, and 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 really and really very little interaction with with our side of the family, despite the fact that he was sort of a second cousin to my to my grandfather. Right. Did you have any any interaction with him at all? None. Absolutely. None. None. Only only people who who would have. Um, yeah. You know, family would cry because that 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 end of the family never came west. They didn't come west of the Great Lakes. Right. None of them. Uh, you know, they just didn't, uh, you know, whereas, you know, my grandfather's side did, they came West. That's where the free land was. And, and, you know, that, that's what it became. Uh, but you know, in those days there was no airplanes. There was, people weren't really flying around to see each other. So it was all, it was all sort of second and third hand where I, where I heard the stories and saw some of the memorabilia and that sort of thing. 
which which at that point would almost be enough. Like Terry Sawchuk is my ultimate hockey idol. So, that's, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, he is. Like I'm a, uh, I was a, I was a goalie for for 17 years, and and my superheroes were the are the goalies that wore no masks. And like just a little while ago here, about a month ago, I got to meet Glenn Hall finally. Who was he was on my bucket list, and I've been, and I met Johnny Bauer, uh, probably about 15 years ago. But Terry has always been my number one. Like he like at that time. He was a shutout, all-time shutout leader back when I first discovered him, right? So, to me, he was already the greatest at that point. So, but Wasn't it shutouts and wins? He had both of those until yeah. until Martin Brodeur and Patrick Waugh came along. Yeah, but he did it with smaller. Like, their seasons weren't as long, right? So, and he did it. Oh, that's true. And he got a lot of those with no mask. That's ridiculous. That wasn't even a thing. <laughs> yeah, thank, thankfully, the guys couldn't shoot it like they can now, but still. <laughs> Uh, still, you had to, you had to, yeah, yeah just needed a little, little bit crazy. Goalies need to be a little bit crazy, but I think in those days you need to be a lot crazy. There you go. Well, has anybody ever underhanded tossed a puck to you and hit you in the cheek? Like I go down like a rock, <laughs> like, yeah. a, like a bag of rocks. So regardless of the guys that didn't shoot us hard, they're still shooting the puck at you and hitting you in the face. Your skin, your skin's still soft <laughs> in any era. I, I, I take a beer league slap shot off the shin pads and I go down. I mean, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, that, that, there's a love and passion for the game there that is almost um, uh, uh, masochistic, you know, whatever, like you want pain, suffering, yeah, yeah. but that, that's another breed of player, another breed of person uh, that, that is fun to, fun to talk about and, 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 and fun to remember. That's for sure. Yeah, Gump, Gump Worsley's got to be up there for me for pain tolerance. Okay. The Gumper. Well, any, anybody back then. Like, uh, yeah. like Terry wore the whole the, – his same upper body combo for his whole career. Like, it's in the Hall of Fame there. And you see that thing. And I see I see defensemen nowadays that wear bigger stuff than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, these guys, they, they, even if you look at the pictures, the nets look like soccer nets. You yeah. know, where, where's the person? Like, same size nets. They just people were smaller, the equipment was lesser, and and you know you're you're relying on a lot of wool and and wool and padding to save your life. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I couldn't like, like I said, I just met Glenn Hall not that long ago, and actually his hero was Terry Sawchuk. So it was kind of weird how he got to, uh, you know, that Glenn Hall's break was when Terry Sawchuk got hurt, so Glenn got called up then for Detroit. Oh, I know. Yeah, I asked him, every goalie I come in contact with, uh, I asked him who their hero was as well. And yeah, it's the first name he said was Terry Sacha. Yeah. Hmm. Glenn, Glenn Hall's a sweetheart of a man, too. That's... He, he's a, yeah, he was amazing. Like, I was only supposed to meet him for 45 minutes, and he had me at his place for an hour and a half. It's like one of the best times of my life, so pretty cool. So, uh, Dave, I actually li lived in Grand Prairie for 21 years, so I heard you on the radio quite a bit. Uh, how'd you end up in GP to begin with? I went to a radio school, and and um, part of the part of the program is you do a, a practicum for 16 weeks, and uh, I, I I I just was told that that the right thing to do is to to, to try to find a uh, you know a, a smaller market. Not that Grand Prairie is a small place; it was 50,000 people or whatever when I moved there, uh, but it's smaller than Edmonton. And and uh, mm -hmm. I called around and, and talked to some people and. Uh, I talked to the manager at the radio station in Grand Prairie, a gentleman by the name of Tom Bedore. And, and Tom said, uh, yeah, I mean, if you come up here, we'll put you to work. We'll, I'll let you do all kinds of stuff. And he was really positive and, and uh, you know, showed belief in me with, despite the fact he didn't know me. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I found a friend who I went to high school with and her, her aunt and uncle lived in Grand Prairie. This is before the internet. I called them once and said, can I live in your basement? And, <laughs> and, uh, and they said, yeah. So I, I, I like, they didn't know who I looked like. I drove up there and I knocked on their door and uh, I said, I'm Dave. And they said, come on in like Grand Prairie hospitality. And uh, I was there for, you know, six years the first time. And then I, you know, moved away and came back. So, yeah, I mean, just serendipitous and all the good things that happened to me are a direct result of all the great people I met there. You, you were sort of like the Lieutenant Eric before Lieutenant Eric, uh, kind of for me, it's, it's kind of very similar, like, yeah. And Eric's a great guy. Another grad of the Nate radio and television program. I had him come and talk to some of my kids just last week. Uh, an absolute gem of a human being. That's sort of why you're here. Cause I, I saw the post and then I reached out to you. I'm thinking, Oh, I should get him on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. And I, and I apologize all my, you know, you know how life goes. Just we do planned out just right. You know, things start changing around, but I do appreciate you having me on guys. And, and, uh, uh, I'm sure you're. I'm, I'm sure you're just chomping at the bit on some real hockey content. What 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 are you covering next? Yeah, Connor versus Connor tomorrow night. Who do you got? Oh boy, I what an exciting. I mean, on paper, the Oilers should absolutely bury the Blackhawks tomorrow. Like bury them. The Hawks are terrible on the road. We are lightning white hot. Um, so I mean, you. you so it's going to be a good game, is what you're saying. Oh, I expect there to be a lot of goals in the Chicago net. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and, and Connor Bedard, I think, will, will, will rise to the occasion and show flashes of, the, of greatness, which we've seen all year. That, that's going to be a hell of a hockey game. It's going to be a hell of a spectacle. Like yes. the fact that you got this next-gen player against the current-gen player, that alone – you know, just to see them even line up the opening face out is going to be like a like a moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Or does Knobloch go away from that and start the third line like he has been? <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, that's interesting. Eh? He throws out those. I, I like that. I like that about yeah. it. Let me tell you guys a quick Chris Knobloch story, and it's the only one I have. So when they started that winning streak, it was against the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I swear to God, this is a true story. So I'm in the JW Marriott that afternoon. The day of the Ducks game, um, I, I, I'm, I'm doing some work in there, and I'm, I'm standing in the lobby, and in walks uh, Chris Knobloch, and it's the lobby's full of people because it's the weekend, right? And everyone looks at him, and he looks at everyone, and then he realizes I'm the only guy who recognizes who he is because he's staying there, right? Because you know the Oilers are just yeah. walking around. so. It's the moment where he's going, oh, boy, I hope no one recognized me. And he goes, oh, thank God, no one recognized me. But he looks at me and he knows I recognize him. So he's making eye contact with me and I'm making eye contact with him. Everyone has now looked away at this point and I'm thinking, shit, I have to say something. <laughs> so he's walking away and I go, good luck tonight, coach. And he looks at me and, you know, you got it, kind of thumbs up. And I'll, I'll never, he looked immaculate. Like uh, he'd gotten off the ice, he'd showered, he'd done his hair. And he was carrying, boys. See, this is the thing about the NHL we never think. He's carrying his equipment over his shoulder in his American Hockey League bag. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's the freaking head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. 
carrying an American Hockey League bag with his own equipment, you know, like they're working, right? They got jobs just like they're just like us in some ways. I thought that's yeah. so and they haven't lost sense. So I don't know if the Oilers should send me a check or how this goes, but <laughs> Well, to correct you on one thing, Dave, that was actually game two of the uh, seven-game winning streak. The okay. first game was the 5 nothing win against Washington. Right, right. Okay, yeah, 5 nothing on the road against Washington, home against Anaheim. Yeah, boy, what a run. I, I, I read today that uh, the Oilers are only one of six or seven teams to never win 10 in a row. Oh, wow. Isn't that uh, something, considering the 80s Oilers and whatnot? Isn't exactly. It's almost, it's almost like – it almost sounds – more probable that they would have won 10 in a row in 1988. Yeah. But they've never won 10. So I'm not saying that we will, not to jinx it, but we're at seven. Um, and now, you know, then they got Chicago, which should be a win. And then don't the Florida teams come here next? Yeah. Yeah, we got Tampa and Florida after Chicago. And right now, both those teams are kind of mid tier, working their way up in the standings. So they're, they're getting more dangerous each day. But we owe both those teams one. We blew two goal leads in both those games on the road in uh, mid-November. Yeah. So I'd like to think I'd like to think uh, 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 our team is that's still fresh, and they're and they're thinking we we you know we got to get those ones back. Yeah. No, they played them well down there. They just didn't get it done, and then yeah. they kind of got schooled in Carolina until the third period, and that's kind of when their season turned around. That's true. Yeah. And looked great the other night against Carolina. So yeah. The, happening yeah yeah and brenda moore thought that the hurricanes were going to lose 50 to nothing in that game he wasn't too happy on the bench Man, that might have been the best in-game interview ever <laughs> yeah i totally agree god i love how close the media is getting to pro sports and hockey's finally embracing it i love it you know and and brenda moore what a character uh, what a great i mean man hockey could just sell 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 if they could do more Not, yeah Exactly. And I'm sure they don't want to do it on the bench, but they recognize, you know, as a part of the league, they have to do these requirements and, you know, make the most of it. And Brendan Burr, like you said, he's a quality individual and oh. he has the respect. He has the respect of everybody in the league. So when he says shit like this, like it makes the rounds. That, oh, yeah. 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 No, he, if you watch the game yesterday when uh, somebody said, fuck sakes, and then Jack Michaels says, our audio yeah. audio crew is picking up the intensity of the game. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was priceless and it was hilarious. And then this Steve Lansky, this big mouth sports guy on Twitter had to, had to make a thing about it that the, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't accentuate the profanity for the CRTC and all this shit. I'm thinking, you know what? That's hockey. That, that stuff happens. And every, anybody that watches it know that happens. So for him to make a joke about it and to make fun of it and not, you know, you know, I thought it was great. It just, people need to, loosen up a little bit like yeah i'm a big jack guy i love jack i i think he's i'm i'm i think he's the best and it's a raw emotional game and as long as you're not celebrating it you know like have some no no he, he made a joke about it i mean <laughs> it, it, yeah and what are you gonna do what are you gonna do it's already been it's already been broadcasted you know so oh we lost dave for a minute awesome I think I think he's probably going into his house there to get set up. So if he comes back in, that's all good. Well, plus the league knew that when they were getting all these mics close to the to the game, that this is going to happen. So it, it's basically just collateral damage kind of thing, right? So it's going to happen unless they, unless they start doing time delays, which would be stupid for professional sports. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not. It's going to slip. There's no way you, you can't. 
nobody's in denial thinking that the hockey players don't, don't swear on the ice. They, we're, 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 we're how many games in? 20-some-odd? 20, 20 it's the second yeah. time there's there's been something like this, and each time Jack's made a little bit of a joke about it. I got no problem with that. Like, yeah. if you got a problem with that, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's somebody who's just looking for stuff to bitch about on Twitter, and I. Yeah. And, yeah. and, in today, and in today's sensitive world, you know, that's that's the perfect angle to go with, right? Oh, oh we had kids this, then, Steve Lansky used to work for CBC, like, years ago. But, I mean, so did Don Cherry. So, I think, you know, <laughs> I think Don probably pushed the envelope, too. So, uh, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was funny, just making light of, you know, an oopsie-daisy kind of on, on air and... and I'd rather have him do that than just ignore it altogether because it kind of becomes the elephant in the room. We all heard it. Right? Yeah, everybody heard it. I mean, and, and that's the damage that's been done. I mean, it, making a joke about it after the fact is, is just moving on in, in a kind exactly. of a comical way. Like, oh, man, yeah. Um, I don't know. Dave might have been going up to his apartment there. He was out of his vehicle, so <laughs> maybe he'll come back. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll carry on for a little bit longer. If he comes back, we'll... Have him for a few, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. That's the way she goes. Um, so you think this uh, Chicago game? You think it's going to be a, like a high flying game, or or what's your what's your feeling on what's the vibe you're getting going into this game? I I hope that we keep playing our game, you know, and and don't get into uh, getting out of what we've been doing. But if we keep playing the way we've been playing, you know, Dave's probably right. It's probably a six one or you know, five, 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 one kind of game. Like, um, and Bedard might be the only guy for Chicago that, that is a threat to, to put one in the net. Um, I just hope we don't get out of what we've been doing and, and try to put on a show, so to speak. I think the show has been playing sound, you know, lights out defensive minded hockey, but when the chances are there, we take them and, and, you know, Yeah. I, so uh, kind of going back to what you were uh, asking about or inferring towards, does Novak start the third line again, go away from that, or does, does he do a Connor Connor start to the to the uh, game? You know what? I think if he starts the third line in this game, I think it shows how serious he's taken uh, this game. He's not here for the fanfare of Connor versus Connor. He's here for the orders to beat Chicago. And, you know, these boys have started the game nicely for us. So until they don't warrant getting that, don't. Unless, unless it's a matchup thing where he wants Connor versus Connor. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't think starting McDavid is really ever a, a bad thing to do. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, the other night he 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 rewarded the guys that were working hard in practice, and I, I can appreciate that. What a great answer that was, eh? When he was yeah. asked why he started the McLeod line because they worked yeah. hard in practice. I mean, yeah. that was just yeah. perfect. Yeah, I mean, you wanted the knock on Woodcroft was uh, accountability. Um, that, you know, you can hold people accountable in a positive direction. It doesn't always have to mean a negative one. Yeah. So they worked hard in practice. So you reward them for that. You're holding them accountable for the good work they were doing. And then they reward him with a goal in the first shift. Like, yeah. 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 Um, you know, is Ryan McLeod out of the doghouse now? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest that I didn't never saw him as being in the doghouse. It's kind of like, uh, like he is a bottom six guy, and we do want some production from him. And and even though he was off to a slow start, I still think he's got double digit goals in him. 
because uh, he is one of those guys that tends to play a little bit streaky offensively. But his main focus is making sure uh, you know he, he changes momentum on a four check and, and to make sure they don't get scored on. That's kind of his thing. So I never saw him as being the doghouse um, because of how he affected his game was except for scoring goals. Uh, but that was that's not really that's like a secondary thing that we get from uh, McLeod. Um, so the fact that he's getting rewarded with it now, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, thoughts on James Hamblin? I th- I thought you know that's a effective bottom six guy too. Yeah, he is right. Uh, like he's been uh, he's been better than I expected uh, for sure. I thought he played really well uh, this last game. His last. Four games before that were kind of like uh, I'd, I'd call them like average games where he wasn't he wasn't great but he wasn't shitty he didn't cost us but he didn't really contribute that much but he he does what is asked of him and and he's just also a guy that when they talk to him he just seems like a genuinely um, like pro order guy like he'll do anything for this team whatever role he wants and he's had moments of brilliance and he's had a lot of moments of just average but I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing being a fourth line player yeah. Yeah, um, and Adam Ernie, um, I wonder when he gets back in the lineup. I, I, I don't think it's right away. <laughs> I think you keep running with what you've been doing because it's been I working. I think you have to. Like, I think you have to keep doing what you're doing, and nobody has played themselves out of the lineup, right? So I guess that, that is a question, though, um, you know, sending Broberg down to uh, Baco and uh, calling up Gleason. I don't think you want Gleason sitting too long, so maybe you look at getting him into a game at some point here. But I don't think it's tomorrow. It won't be tomorrow. No, nope. I doubt that very much. But then, so with our personnel on defense, and right from the beginning of the season, I've never had a problem with our personnel on defense. I like our defensemen. I like who we have. Uh, our team defense was struggling, uh, and our defensive core as as a as a whole was struggling. But the, our personnel is there to be effective. Now, having said that, I also expected Broberg for this to be the season where he took that next step that, that we've been wanting him to be for so long. And I, I thought this was the, this was going to be his breakout year. Uh, maybe get more playing time. Uh, he'd be feeling that confidence. We see this Broberg that we've only read about in scuttering reports and maybe the odd shift here and there, right? Uh, Dayarnay ended up outplaying him as uh, to get more ice time. And I like Dayarnay. I really do. But I do see him more as a specialized D-man. I see him being, like, penalty kill is where he does his best work. And he is damn good on the penalty kill, 100%. He's not a guy that I personally and trust for, you know, 15-plus minutes, five-on-five-on-five. On five. His foot speed still gets to him. Uh, sometimes he gets lost in the speed of the game, even just in his positioning and in his reading of stuff. If we're going to make a change on defense anywhere, personnel-wise, day or day be my uh, my pick as being uh, as getting upgraded on, and that's coming from a guy who likes Dayarnay. I, I really do like Dayarnay. My my issue with Vinny Dayarnay is not the defending part; it's when he actually does get a puck on a stick. <laughs> And if you notice, when it is on his stick, it isn't on there very long because it's a little bit of a grenade and a hot potato, yeah. and he wants to get get it get it gone quickly, which for him is not a bad thing. 
but he does scare me a little bit if he tries to handle it a little bit uh, longer than 10 seconds. <laughs> um, that That's my issue with him. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he can get turnstiled by, you know, shifty, fat, fast players um, that are good with the puck. Um, yeah. Yeah, but but- like in, in, inside his blue line, though, I, I I don't really have a problem with the guy. I, I worry about him at the far blue line and in the neutral zone and not having time to recover. Or, you know, he, like I've said in the group chat, he's kind of like the Zdeno Chara 2.0. I mean, he's big, he's long, and it takes a lot to get around him and his stick. Once once you buy him, though, you're you're on your you're on your way because he doesn't have the foot speed to recover. Um, that that's I think I those think are my like, issues with him. The big difference there is Chara was aware of his lack of foot speed, and he was such a smart player that he he just figured out better angles that he could uh, that he could use to to keep guys off their stride and stuff. And and Vinny hasn't figured that out yet. And mind you, Vinny's still relatively young in his NHL career. I can't believe uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think Zidane Chara was more agile. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He, he was. Yeah. Well, he was a better athlete over in general too. Like yeah, he always was at the top of all the uh, physical training they were doing at, at the Boston camp in almost every aspect. And now you see him running marathons. So he, yeah. yeah. So going yeah. back a little bit on the Vinny Darren thing with the him getting turnstile off now it, by some more skilled players. It's he's not just a player; it's also more skilled teams. So he's been really good these last three games. Last three games against New Jersey, Minnesota, Carolina. All these three teams are are basically. Uh, well, Minnesota's a uh, you know, shitty team right now, but Carolina, New Jersey are kind of mid-tier teams right now with with some top-tier potential. Yeah. But he struggled the games, two games before that, and that's Vegas and Winnipeg. And those two teams are top-tier teams at the moment. And that's where he kind of gets exposed when he goes up against team skill, not necessarily just individual skill coming at him. Yeah. A couple of his reads in those kind of games yeah. get get start to get questionable. Yeah, uh, because I think the speed of the game ratchets up, and so I don't know if his, you know, hockey IQ kind of functions at that speed. Um, I worry about him more in the playoffs when every single shift, you know, seems to yeah. seems to matter that much more, and every single play, you know, is is magnified. I think it is good that most of the time when he's on the ice, Kulak's with him because Kulak can recover for him. He's a, yeah. he's a mar- marvelous skater. Um, and I think uh, Kulak's starting to play more of a, you know, complementary role to him, much like Ekholm does to Bouchard or Nurse to Cece. It's, it's funny that way. We've kind of got three pairings that are – you know, have one guy that is more defensively responsible than, than the other, it seems like. And although nurse and CC somewhat are similar in, in their offensive, you know, wanting to go CC to me though, I think he's settled down a lot um, lately too. And that isn't really talked about because at the start of the year, man, that, that guy had a lot of questionable pinches in my eye to me. He led you know, everybody points to Bouchard and Nurse, but uh, to me, CC was leading the pack for questionable pinches, um, and, and that's really stabilized. Uh, you know, I think it happened a few games before the coaching change, but um, it, it's definitely evident now. I think that pairing doesn't get 
you know, exposed on a nightly basis uh, really at all. I don't think any pairing is, is really getting exposed on the ice. I think they all are holding their own and, you know, it's a credit to them. And uh, like I say, it's a credit to team defense because I think that has really turned, turned a corner. Well, uh, if they do start struggling like CC and nurse, when that, when that pairing is struggling, it seems like at least in the stretch right now, the other pairings have been picking them up. So I actually thought, against the Minnesota game and the Carolina game, I thought actually CC Nurse were probably our weakest pairing. And that does, that's not saying they were playing bad. They just, you know, they're supposed to be a number one pairing and they weren't playing like it. But the other pairings all played really well. But this last game uh, here against New Jersey, uh, like that Nurse-CC pairing was was great. Yeah. Uh, the game against Winnipeg and Vegas, like those, those, those big games like that, they were our best pairing. Yeah. So, again, that's where the team defense comes in, right? So... When those guys are struggling, the other guys will pick it up, and otherwise, the nurse CC can carry their load. Yeah, I don't think we're going to catch Dave again, and we got about uh, two more minutes before we'll pull a shoot on on tonight. We'll have uh, to get him back on because it seems like he'd be a good guest for sure. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot going on today. I appreciate him trying to. Yeah, that's good of him. So uh, let's call the shots for tomorrow. What do you think? Yeah. I think they keep it going. Um, I, I'm going to run with, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll, I'll say seven three. We're going to open it up mm. <laughs> as much as I don't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do fear that. I do fear that because Chicago isn't like a very strong defensive team. I, I do fear that we we're going to overdrive on the offense, maybe push things too much that we don't need to. Uh, but I'm going to be a bit conservative on my guess. I'm going to go with a four-one score. And I think uh, maybe we'll we'll focus on our on our defensive strengths and pop in on our chances. But I, I like your score better because that means we're we're staying with what's yeah. been working more than mine. But I don't know. I think they'll they'll get up and they'll smell blood and they'll kind of <laughs> do they'll do what it takes to make sure they get the win. But then they might slack off and give a couple. Moldy ones to the Blackhawks. <laughs> Moldy ones, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I'm going to be in the city this this weekend, um, and Saturday I'm actually going to be in attendance for the Florida game. And Whoa. yeah, depending on what happens, I might want to take you. I'm not sure. Oh, let me check my schedule here quick. The yes, I'm available. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, depends if somebody in this household ends up coming with me or not. But if not, then uh, I will take you to a hockey game on Saturday night. All right. Yeah. Um, we'll do a live show from the bleachers. No, that'd yeah, be too loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next, next Monday, uh, Tessa Bennett is uh, going to come on, um, trying to increase that female demographic that gently has started to climb for us. But still having trouble with <laughs> and at some point we'll revisit dave and then yeah the monday after that is actually christmas day so i don't know if we'll do that but uh we're trying to get an episode out at least once a week here for the rest of the year so well i'm around all over the holidays i'm actually on call for work so but it's usually pretty slow so i'll yeah. probably just be melon and melt catching up on some netflix watching hockey oh world juniors watching world juniors world juniors boxing day yeah yeah, uh, kicks off. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, also, gonna... I'm also a fan of the Spengler Cup. I watched that quite a bit too. So. Yeah, Dustin Nielsen will be calling some games over there again. Thanks, everybody, for watching on, on YouTube and Facebook and all of that. And uh, on behalf of Bobby, myself, and Dave the Kid Sachuk, keep your sticks on the ice, keep reaching for the stars, go Oilers, go, and hopefully tomorrow we win the Battle of Z Connors. And now it's time for everybody's favorite cool-down music. We'll see you again. Good night. <laughs>